0: Welcome to MTSU on the Record, I'm Jenna Logue. The manufacturing sector of the American economy is having difficulty attracting qualified workers, according to an assessment of survey results by three MTSU professors. Two of those professors are with us to discuss their research, Dr. Christy Abston, an associate professor of management, and Dr. Sam Zaza, an assistant professor of information systems and analytics. They worked on the report with Dr. Murat Arik, recently appointed the Jennings A. and Rebecca Jones Chair of Excellence in Urban and Regional Planning. What's happening in the factory world after this?
1: Here are some of the headlines making news at MTSUNews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU and the American Heart Association are celebrating the results of the 2021 Rutherford Heart Walk with heartfelt joy. The September 25th event raised nearly $103,000, with MTSU placing third among the top participating companies with over $3,000, and first among the participants in the Move More Challenge with 566 minutes. The challenge is a series of customizable workplace events designed to help companies have a positive impact on employee health and well-being. Retired U.S. Army Lieutenant General Keith Huber, MTSU's Senior Advisor for Veterans and Leadership Initiatives, was fifth among the top walkers with just over $1,000 raised. And in a new economic report from MTSU, the state's housing market continues to show signs of a continued recovery from the impact of COVID-19. The MTSU Business and Economic Research Center's statewide analysis for the second quarter showed mostly positive outcomes, with home sales increasing overall from the previous quarter and home prices up from the previous year across the state. Nashville and Knoxville had decreases in quarterly closings of 0.01 percent and 17.6 percent, while Memphis saw a quarterly increase of 3.5 percent. When considering annual changes, all three regions in the state experienced growth. For MTSU news at any time, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Christy and Sam, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you taking time to do this today. Thank you, Jenna. It's it's a pleasure. Uh, you looked at survey data from human resource managers representing about 300 manufacturing organizations in the Southeast. How did you obtain this data? The Burke
2: has been doing this kind of research for a while now. This was actually the second time that they had collected data in conjunction with the Middle Tennessee Industrial Development Association. And so they out this survey to collect data and then make the reports available to the organizations that participate.
0: In the studies that you examined, you found job-related factors, company-related factors, and regional or location-related factors in making it difficult for HR personnel to find the right workers. Could you take each one of them one at a time and explain
3: them what those factors are? Uh, For the job-related factor, actually, um, we found that the availability of similar job positions has no impact on the difficulty of filling a position, meaning that it, it doesn't matter if there are a lot of jobs that are looking for the same position. It really didn't affect, this wasn't a factor of the difficulty of filling um, a position.
2: We also looked at the average wages by company for a given occupation. And it turns out that the wages are not that important in terms of difficulty of filling unless it's high wage positions. And so some of these manufacturing positions are actually very skilled labor and the people are making a pretty nice salary. And so those are the ones that are more difficult to fill. We looked at the job zone classifications. And so, the job zone characteristics it, that's where we get into the combination of things like the education, the experience, any kind of licensure requirements, and the skill set itself. And so, we rated those from less sophisticated to highly sophisticated. And again, the more sophisticated, higher wage positions are the ones that are more challenging for employers to fill. Now, the company-related factors were the benefits as a percentage of total compensation, the company's sales, and the company's employment size. And we actually found that difficulty of hiring is negatively associated with the benefits and with company size. So the larger companies actually have less difficulty filling positions. And in fact, their sales, as we look at financial performance are kind of indicative of they just have less of a problem filling positions.
3: We looked at the benefits as a total of the compensation offered by the organization. We looked at the company sales to measure the size of the company, and we looked at the total employment as a measure of the size and labor intensive nature of these companies. So we, we tried to capture those specific characteristics of the companies that we surveyed. I believe one of the most interesting findings is that benefits offered by those companies, they didn't have that much of an influence about filling these jobs. And which is kind of wasn't in line of what we would expect, because usually like benefits are one of the attractive features of these companies. So what this really implied is that Organizations need to look not just at benefits to try to fill these positions, but they need to go to a different route of maybe offering training, development opportunities to attract job applicants. The
0: applicant doesn't want to apply for a job, get the job, and then find that it's a dead end deal, that there is no opportunity for personal or professional growth or advancement of any kind. And as far as the company sales are concerned, I guess the applicants are concerned that this is a firm that is still going to be there a few years down the road, that it's not going to wane and go the way of the textile industry or, or some of the other industries that we have seen on the decline.
3: Yes, it depends on the sample that, that we surveyed. And that is also another actually factor. So we looked at the three things, right? We looked at job related factors. We looked at the employer the company who is hiring. And also, I think the the last factor that we looked at, it is the spatial variables, meaning that what is the influence or to put these companies into context where they are located? How is the labor market related to these uh, organizations? What what about the employment rate? What about the labor force? And what about the growth? How these organizations are moving or growing from year to year. So this is kind of put these organizations that we surveyed into context again, because contexts matter. So looking at this third factor, actually, we found out that smaller companies versus big companies, it differs. And again, this is kind of expected. The lesson for those small companies that you can still hire if you don't just rely on the benefits I'm still surprised about the benefits
0: in a way because anecdotally, of course, people tell me I would leave this crummy job if only it didn't have such great health insurance. The stereotype is that health insurance is what's keeping so many employees stuck where they are. If they offer great health insurance, that that is the be all end all because it's so necessary. Everybody gets sick sooner or later. I guess that's not as important as as it used to be with Affordable Care Act, Christy, do you think? It reflects that companies
2: have gotten pretty smart and they're all pretty much offering what we would consider the minimum to keep employees from looking elsewhere. It's just not a way to differentiate on a competitive level. For, for hiring new people, everybody has to offer some level of insurance if they're above a certain number of employees now. That's not really gonna be a differentiating factor for employees jumping jobs. I know a lot of employees say that, you know, the benefits are too good for me to leave. And maybe that's related to how much retirement they've built up or the best thing or their pay time off and that sort of thing. And now our study did find that it was associated in terms of the statistics to that difficulty of hiring. It just was not as big as some of the other factors. Thinking about the smaller organizations, as Sam was saying, these are the organizations that are maybe spending more per employee than a bigger company would be. And they're also the ones that are more likely to be dealing with a rural area, maybe a county with less available employees in their workforce. And so the smaller organizations are really the ones that have to focus on creating a pipeline for employees. And education and training
0: have to be a part of that, for especially for the smaller companies. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East-centered MTSU seeks promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, center director.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We're talking about research into the manufacturing sector's ability to attract qualified workers with Dr. Christy Abston, an associate professor of management, and Dr. Sam Zaza, an assistant professor of information systems and analytics. What questions did you all pose to the human resources personnel on the questionnaire during the first wave of the major wage and benefits study? Wow, Jenna, there were a bunch of questions. And
2: so not only did we ask them a lot of information about the company itself, like average sales revenue per year, total number of employees, percentage of the workforce that's part-time, percentage of workforce that's unionized, things like that. We also asked them a ton of questions about their benefits, such as paid time off, paid holidays, vision insurance, medical, dental, maternity leave, child care assistance, bonuses, tuition reimbursement, a bunch about specifics on there, medical, dental, vision, et cetera, insurance. What percentage the employee pays versus how much the organization pays? Quite a few questions about their training, if they offer training on-site, off-site, what kind of training. We talk a lot about their pay practices. So do they offer regular cost of living increases, merit increases, longevity, bonuses, pay differentials if they work different shifts? We also asked about their turnover and their absenteeism issues. And then we asked job specific issues about the different positions that we were trying to assess with this this research project.
0: Where would the company's reputation factor into the the situation in terms of the ability to attract good, talented employees? I suppose by reputation, I mean it's solvency, it's reputation as a workplace environment. Is it comfortable? Is it safe? Is there good or bad morale? That kind of
2: thing. So those items, Jenna, would all under what i would call organizational culture mostly and and we know that from research that culture is huge when it comes to attracting new employees getting them to apply in the first place but also very much related to retention especially of top talent when the unemployment rate is really low and there are lots of jobs available for top talent the culture is going to be one of those factors then that can differentiate employer a from employer b And you mentioned safety, and that's one of the really big important factors when you think about manufacturing in particular, which is the primary source of this data. Safety is a huge issue when it comes to manufacturing and organizations that don't have a good safety program. It's probably a red flag that there are other factors in their culture that are not going to be conducive to strong recruitment and retention programs. And so when we think about this data in particular that shows that smaller organizations have a harder time, I would say culture is one way that they could differentiate themselves and be more competitive, especially if they know what kind of employee they're really trying to attract and retain. What the value proposition is that they're offering those employees and if they can communicate that and convey their culture through maybe their job ads or through the selection process, you know, when they bring somebody in to interview or you zoom for an interview, are they giving that employee a good realistic preview of what working for that company is going to be, and so they can really help with the turnover, recruiting, retention problems by doing really good, strong selection on the front end. And a really good company with a good organizational culture, a good reputation, they should have a a less difficult time than an organization that has kind of a weak or poor reputation in the the community, especially when we're talking about smaller organizations in the more rural or smaller counties.
0: And the rural areas are the ones that are having difficulty attracting people who want uh, some of the amenities in their life that a more urban area would afford. Proximity to music
3: venues and good restaurants, good schools, good libraries, whatever their priorities are. Speaking of small organizations versus uh, large ones, actually the most uh, difficult position to fill or hiring are the high wage level occupations as compared to low wage. And whenever we say high wage level, it means there is more, uh, more factors included in this position. For example, the education, the skills, the experience required and the training um, or certification required. So this cl- classification shows that the occupation that are difficult to fill are the ones that require a sophisticated Mix of skills. They have kind of issues with this, especially when there is a labor market that is really tight and where recruiters are finding difficult time to find the right people.
2: We're talking about positions like sophisticated machinists, drafting robot operators. Think about Nissan, advanced manufacturing types of positions where they have to have some more sophisticated skill sets, probably some kind of certification or license, maybe engineering, but not necessarily an engineering degree, maintenance positions, working on machinery, electrical stuff, things of that nature. And so it could also be things related to quality that are a little more sophisticated in nature. Those people have more job options, if you will. And one thing that We haven't really talked about that. It's important, I guess, to point out is that we do have a lot of smaller organizations in the urban areas. And so that's where the training and the education pipeline are even more essential because those organizations don't have as much strength in terms of the labor market and the labor force being able to appeal to them in other ways. And so they're the ones that may have to get extra creative in looking at how do we train and provide education to the employees we already have to get them to to maybe move up into these positions that are really hard to fill.
3: And actually, this just doesn't apply to the manufacturing sector in in my field, which is uh, the information systems. That continuous communication with the industry, industry versus universities providing those degrees, that continuous communication help bring the students to be job ready. Industries versus um, uh, educational institutions need to have those, these ongoing conversations to help students land a job once they graduate and fill those much needed jobs with the, the skills needed.
0: Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the Record.
1: The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TARA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TARA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Our guests are Dr. Christy Abston, an associate professor of management, Dr. Sam Zaza, an assistant professor of information systems and analytics, and we're talking about a report that they worked on with uh, Dr. Marat Arik about the management sector's ability to attract qualified workers. I'm wondering if manufacturing suffers from sort of a perception problem. When I was going to school, Manufacturing was perceived as where all the high school dropouts went because they weren't smart enough to do anything else and they couldn't go to college. It's sort of an industrial revolution concept of manufacturing, whereas really technology has produced its own kind of industrial revolution within the walls of of manufacturing. And there is much more brain power to it than there used to be. We're a long way from Henry Ford's assembly line. So is, is that something that the, the manufacturing sector needs to sort of update in terms of its public perception of what manufacturing is all about? I
2: think that that's a great point, Jenna, because you're right. Even when I was coming through as well, it was always kind of a, well, they're going to go work at XYZ factory when they graduate. Nowadays, manufacturing jobs are some of the highest paying jobs that you can can get, even and with a, a high school diploma, but I mean, some of their jobs pay more than some of our graduates from MTSU will go earn in their first few years, you know, depending on what kind of degree they have. And so the perception that the positions don't pay well has kind of gone out the window. I think when maybe Amazon and some of the bigger firms moved into this area and they had the signs hanging up from their buildings that said starting at $18 an hour. I think for our region in particular, that perception is kind of going away a little bit, but the manufacturers that are experiencing some difficulty in finding and keeping their employees probably should look at how they're conveying their brands, how they're conveying their positions, their culture, what it's like to work there day in, day out, because misperception could still be limiting the pool that they're drawing from in terms of their employees.
0: And we live in an at-will state. You can get fired at any time or you can quit at any time and to a lot of employers in this state, the word union is still anathema and to a lot of workers in the state, let's be honest, the word union is still anathema. So you don't necessarily have to be a member of a union to attract the uh, top wage in your area as long as you've got the specific skill set, right? But we do still have a few and especially in
2: around the Nashville metropolitan area And so what that does is it ends up raising the wages of surrounding organizations as well, even those that aren't unionized because they have to compete for those unionized workers too. So you don't want the companies with the unions to be the ones stealing all your employees because they pay $5 more per hour, right? So companies have gotten smart and they figured out ways to increase that reward package for employees to make them competitive against those unionized organizations as well. It's just part of life in in this area. When you have some unions, some not, you know, it pretty much helps all the employees because organizations have to raise their wages to be able to
3: compete. And honestly, like even nowadays, they're not just competing. It's not just the manufacturing sector. They're not just competing for high skilled labor. Right. I mean, most organizations are suffering from turnover period. Even before COVID, again, part of of, of this survey, we looked at absenteeism and turnover among multiple positions and you would be surprised the turnover rate. What further research do you think that scholars could conduct
0: using your study as a jumping off point into related areas?
2: One of the things that Sam was just talking about in terms of absenteeism and turnover even before COVID, one of the things that companies should be looking at is how this data might influence the way they study recruitment in terms of with the difficulty of hiring the job zones and that sort of thing, all those different variables. But the pandemic is one of those things that is pretty much upended everything, especially things related to human resource management and the practices that are involved in that. And manufacturing organizations have suffered from the pandemic just as like all the others.
3: Actually, this is like a study that I'm starting with Christy we're looking at hr practices from rewards to compensation and its influence on absenteeism and turnover right most of research on turnover actually looks at okay what drives turnover right but there is little known about what are the impacts of turnover on those organizations and, and the economy and the industry per se. So we are taking like one aspect of that and we're looking at the difference in growth, which is financial growth, HR practices, uh, what what its influence on absenteeism and turnover, and what impact does turnover uh, has on the financial performance of organizations. And we're looking actually at the manufacturing sector. If we wanna move away from just the manufacturing sector, again, sky is the limit. We can look at any industry because each industry has its own set of characteristics that drive the performance of the industry. For instance, personally, I look at the IT workforce. I look at the again how the STEM education and how the IT majoring can help deliver a sustainable pipeline for the um, IT career. As for the as well, what, what we found in the manufacturing studies, organizations need to need to look beyond just offering the perfect benefits, right? Because as Christy said, most of them they are offering the bare minimum, which is kind of especially in in time of crisis would be okay-ish. But they need to look into more how they can guarantee that they kind of have the proper pool of applicants on the long run, five years from now, 10 years from now. And the best way of doing this is through education and training. By education, I mean to have that conversation with educational institutions, The majors and and have this conversation with um, the faculty and the stakeholders that hey, this is what we need right now, and to check in, you know, every now and then, if there is any shift or any maybe digital pivoting again, as you said, Jenna, everything now is related to technology. What we know now, it might might not be relevant in two years from now. And I'm proud to say that MTSU is being proactive about this, to have this link between the classroom and the industry. The article that Christy and Sam
0: co-wrote with Marauderic is titled, How Difficult Is It to Fill Manufacturing Positions? A Cross-Sectional Assessment of Survey Results. It was published in the Global Journal of Accounting and Finance. Christy, Sam, thank you both for being our guest today on
3: MTSU On The Record. Thank you, Gemma. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Jenna. We'll be right back. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that
1: exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com.
3: Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, Wise Advisor.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. MTSU Social Work alumna Shatina Marshall, connected with fellow alumnus in Tennessee Titan Kevin Byer and his wife Clark this year, about her work with the foster care program within the Tennessee Department of Children's Services. The result, thanks to the Bayard Family Legacy Fund, was a wholesale renovation of the workspace for Marshall and her colleagues who helped children entering the state's foster care system. Marshall explains.
3: But they really came in and they were so thoughtful about every project. It wasn't like they came in and was like, okay, this is what we want to do. She was like, there, hands on, like, okay, tell me how you use this space. What do you see it looking like? And like there's workstations in every room. So if a worker is there with a child, that worker can continue to do their work because they put in desks with like USB ports and chargers in them. So they can sit at that location and work versus having to be in one space. Like every room got a new desk that, you know, would allow them to work and continue to watch their kids at the same time.
0: That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for
1: listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.